All right, good morning and welcome once again. And uh, we've been talking about healing over the past couple weeks. And we've been talking about underneath the umbrella of being a better church and better individuals underneath even that bigger umbrella. And we're going to continue on with that. And we're going to finish up with our healing. And we're going to before we get to it, we're going to add a few more things on top of it that's related but not related. But you'll see as a big as the pieces come together how they are related, even though at first it's going to sound like you tuned into the wrong episode. So, uh, first of all, I want to uh, first of all I want to have a word of prayer. That's what I want to do first. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to be in your house today, Lord. We just ask you, Father, just to give us the message that you have us to receive, Father, and just take myself out of the way. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, uh, time to time, I get questions. And anybody's welcome to ask questions. And there's many ways of getting a hold of me to ask such questions. And uh, I always enjoy a good question because it challenges me and keeps me on my toes. And uh, so, someone asked one time, they said, with all of these different religions, and we have all these different denominations, how do we know that we are, are following the right one? And that's really simple. Well, to me it is. It's really simple, is that we just have to look at the Word of God. The Word of God gives us all of the bases to what we need to be doing. And if we look, now granted, all denominations, mine included, have some flaws because we've been talking about this. We have been dealing with man's corruption of God's word. We've been getting wrapped into rituals and twisting of things around and changing things to suit man and we do things that make things comfortable for us and we want to hit a broad range of people so yes we have a a lot of work to do and we've seen even back during Jesus's time we see constantly how man was changing things and Jesus was putting them straight what we have to do is is we have to get back to the word and let Jesus put us straight but what we have to do is we have to look and we have to see what God has to say about certain things. And quite simply, if it's not in the Word of God or it's not what the Word of God says, and that is one that you have to watch out for. That's not the place to be. So I want you to keep that in mind today as we move forward that I'm not picking on anybody it's just strictly going by the Word of God. And sometimes when we follow the Word of God, sometimes we're going to hurt people's feelings. Sometimes we're not going to be able to appease everyone because the Word of God is one way. And sometimes, most times, that don't fit in the way the world thinks and the world does things. So we have to go with God. So there's that. So... My next point is, is that um, when I read about this, it's been several weeks back, and I made a point that I wanted to, to talk a bit on it, and 
Today seems like a good day to do that because I can segue it in to the last part of today's message and I'll show you how the two is going to fit together a little bit. Now, to get us started, let's get into the book of Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. 3 and 13. And then come Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying that I have a need to be baptized of these. Thou comest to me. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer it to be now, for thus comest just to fill all righteousness. And then suffered him. And Jesus went, and he was baptized, and went up straight away of the water, and the loaves of heaven were opened up, and they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting unto him, and lowing the voice, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks back, I read that the Catholic Church was going to have to disqualify thousands of baptisms because one word was used incorrectly, so they say. So that they said that all of these thousands of people's baptisms were invalid and they're going to have to come back and do it all over again like they got the wrong medication at the pharmacy or something like that like it was it was some kind of thing and um this makes me upset because first of all god doesn't work this way second of all baptisms don't work this way and what we're we're doing here and when we have the catholic Denomination is the largest Christian-based denomination in the world. And we see things like this that are happening that is not what the Word of God says. And not using it in the, in the proper manner. And then we wonder why people don't trust God. We wonder why they're not receiving from God. And it's because they don't have the right information. God knows what's on your heart. He knows what you're going to say before you're ever going to say it. You have that Holy Spirit that is your interpreter that can take our mangled mindset and can get the perfect wording to God. What we have here is we have men that think they know better. And we see, we go back to the Word of God, we see that Jesus... He sacrificed himself. He went up on that cross. He was crucified. We are covered in his blood. Not so we have to go through a man 
to be able to reach God. And any time that man tries to put man between us and God, there is a problem. We are all equal in God's eyes, and we all have that direct connection to God. And we don't need anything else. The idea that we have to have some person to get us to that point. When you walk into one of them confessional booths and you commit all your sins, going out and rattling off some phrases does not resolve you from your sins. What does is Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. And we can do, we can seek that repentance. We can have our forgiveness directly from God through Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us an example here. Do we have to be baptized to go to heaven? No, we do not. We see that Jesus was baptized and he was giving us an example. He was sinless. He had nothing to repent from. And if we go back, we see uh, in Matthew 3 and 2 what John the Baptist was doing. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what we're looking at is what it represents. What does our baptism represent? And it all comes down to one thing. It's faith. Jesus was leading by example. He's showing us this is what we should do. And what we're doing is we believe in a a full water submersion because we are burying the old person. We are putting them under and we are raising them back up as a brand new being in Christ. We're not just sprinkling a little water over the head. It's our whole body that sins. It's the whole person that needs to be put away, to put down, and be brought back new. I've seen many a cartoon drawings, and as they dunk the person under, they're always holding up one hand, and in that hand is something that they're not ready to, to let go of. Their wallet represents their, their wealth, or whatever their, their one thing is, they hold it up out of the water. We have to get and put away everything. You know, whenever we have someone new come into the church, they want to join and be with us, we have certain requirements. And uh, we want to know 
why you want to be here, why you want to be a part of us. And where, where are you coming from? You know, so many times today that some little something happens and people just jump from church to church to church and they're looking for something new, looking for something different. We're looking for believers. We're looking for people that are strong in the faith. We're looking for people that want to do what Jesus is the had us to do and have Jesus's idea of what a church is and not this man-made idea where it's a, a fun social gathering. We want to build faith. We want to build family. We want to build a better relationship with God. And that's what this church is about. That's what I'm about. But many times we have other things that that distract us and take us away. And we've, we've talked about that before. But we'll ask them, you know, okay, are you willing to, to be baptized into this church? Are you willing to, to make that, that step? Because it's, it's a show. It's a show of faith. It takes some effort to, to get up. To go under and to show that we want to make a change. When we stand up to be married and we're standing up before God and all of our friends and family, that is a a symbol. We are showing God, we are showing all these people that we are committing to this relationship. We are committing to this marriage. That is what the wedding ceremony represents. It's a show. And that is what our baptism is. We are showing that we are committing ourselves. We are committing ourselves that we are to become this new person. We are committing that we are committing to our our brothers and sisters. And most of all, we are committing to God. We are that living example. And if our hearts are committed to this, the wording doesn't matter. The structure doesn't matter. This is coming from a religion that that is not committed to salvation. That can't guarantee your spot in heaven. Well, my word from my God says differently. It says if I have committed to Jesus in my heart, that I have prayed that sinner's prayer, then my place in heaven is sealed. It's about faith. It's about faith. So, let's get back to the healing. James 5, 13 and 15. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is there any merry? Let him sing songs. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church 
and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him. If he had committed sins, they shall forgive him. There's many verses about laying hands upon the sick. I haven't counted them all, but I'm going to take someone's word for it, and there's around a hundred. And uh, that's a lot. And I always say that if it's in there more than once, we really need to pay attention to it. We need to pay attention if it's in there once, but if it's in there a lot, this is something God really wants us to get. So then, if there's something so important, my next question is, why? And it comes down to faith. I'm going to try to start making things easier for you to understand how God works. So, for many of us, it's difficult to, to get into the church, to get into the Word of God, and we like it so much in the world. So, I'm going to start pointing out some things in the world so you know to do the opposite of. Because the world's all about Satan. Satan ran world. Man turned it over to him. He's running it. He's doing his thing. It's corrupted with sin. Anybody want to argue with that? Sinful world. So, Anytime something of sin, something of Satan, it is what? Not of God. So we know we need to do the opposite of that. I'm going to try to get you there one way or the other. Give you some different avenues to go down. Alright, so. We are still in, at the end of, I'm not real sure anymore these days. It's kind of been kind of hush-hush about where we are on this whole pandemic situation. We've kind of shifted the news a little bit, and it's kind of went quiet now, so I don't know what I'm supposed to report on. So we'll just back up, and we've, we've been through this, this health crisis, and never had to go through anything quite like it. And, uh, So we're going through this health crisis, and we see many different things that's taking place. One thing is isolation. They want us to stay away from each other, to, to stay back, to not touch each other. We're going to cover our faces up so we can't see our facial expressions anymore. We can't see our smiles. We can't see that engagement. You ever uh, go walking through the, the store and, you know, you, as you encounter people, you may not speak, but how many people do you engage with by just your mannerisms, your facial expressions? You, you give them a little smile, you give them a look, you give them a nod. And how much of that is, is taken away when we're having to, to cover up and, and take away that humanity that we have? That similarity that we see in one another. We're making it so bland and basic. You know, and God made us so uniquely different, each and every one of us. And what does the world want to do? They want to make it all the same. 
The world wants to take away what makes us different. We want to take away dividers like gender. And we want to tear that down and make everything where it's totally and completely the same. And there's no different and there's no roles. And everything is just completely neutral. They want to strip away our opinions and our ability to think and make everything one way. Everyone needs to have the same religion, the same currency, the same way of thinking, the same government. Everything needs to be the same. But that's not the way God has created us. Just like baptism... We lay on hands as a show of faith. They say to, to seek, seek the elders. So again, I ask why. Well, for some reason, we've gotten in our minds that these people are, are closer to God. But not in a special sense. God hasn't given any religious leaders any special powers. We are all the same. He's given us tools to be able to use. But we all have special tools that are God-given gifts that we use in our own special ways to accomplish all of our tasks that further the kingdom of heaven. But we're not special in... The Catholic faith, the, uh, the top council, see themselves as the apostles. But we've already talked about that what God does for one, He does for all. How that they were people not associated with the group that were going out and doing these things that the apostles were doing. Because we all have access to the power. So we're not special. Religious leaders are not special in that aspect. But we have a stronger sense of faith when we're around them. I spoke a few times about that I don't always divulge my profession right off the bat because people tend to treat you differently when they find out that you're a pastor. They look at you differently. But that same difference is also looked upon in a time of need. And in reality, we should believe Especially if you are listening or you're a a student of one of these teachers, you should have a strong belief in their faith. You should not doubt their faith. You should believe that they are a believer. And you should believe that they are a true word believer. And I hope that you believe that today as you're listening. 
I hope that I give you enough evidence as we go along to back up these claims. But we, we lay upon hands as, as the person that's giving. We believe that this is a show. That we believe that this can happen. That God does heal. That God can make a difference. Can make a change. We are taking that extra step. Many times we've talked about how Words are cheap. We can say anything. But it's our actions that make a difference. I wonder how many times when people walk by and say, I'm praying for you, do they actually do it? Or is it just something that we say? But when we make that step, we make that gesture, when we stop right then and we give that touch and we pray that prayer, we are activating faith. And that person... That is receiving it. It's that one step further. It's that that hand, that touch. God tells us we are to come together. When we come together in prayer, what does it do? It amplifies our prayers. We are like-minded. When we pray together, it amplifies our prayers. God tells us to to come together. Everything is about coming together. And what we just talked about, it's the opposite of what the world wants. The world wants isolation. The world wants segregation. The world wants us to separate. God wants us to come together. When things start to go Arrive. The Israelites, what do they want to do? Keep God at arm's length, push him over to the side, keep him out of the way. You give us the rules, we'll follow them. God wants us to come together. He built a family. Family is about togetherness. We come together. We believe. We're so scared of of getting sick. We're scared to to give that care, to give that touch because we're so concerned about ourselves. So much so that we throw away our faith, we throw away our protection, we throw away everything that God has promised us and we just throw that away and we don't believe it because we believe what man says, we believe what the word says, and we let fear consume us. I read a story about a missionary that would go all over the place. He would work with the, the sickest of people. And we're talking about all kinds of diseases. There's all kinds of things, things that were infectious and contagious. And that during his time, he never got so much as a cold. And he was interviewed about it and they asked him, he said, how is it that you were able to do this? That, that what, what made you special? And they even, uh, they even looked at his skin underneath microscopes and they would just see 
that these bacterias and germs would just simply just die away on him. And he said that God led me to do this work. And he said that God is not going to put you in a situation and not give you the tools to be able to complete it. So, he said, I pray for my safety. And every day that I go out, God takes care of me. God takes care of me. How many of us are willing to simply trust in God? But we let all this stuff we take in ruin our thought process and we get filled up with with fear. Filled up with fear. God is there for us and he's going to take care of us. But it's a, a symbol. Remember that we are to be that beacon of light. We are to show our face. And how many opportunities do we have to, to get to show our face? So many times we, we brush it off as something else. We have this togetherness for a reason. Everything God does, He does with purpose. He wants us to to come together. And we we need instruction. I go back to the why. I said, why is it that the Catholic religion is so popular? I mean, it's clearly easy to see man's corruption in it. They're basically the modern-day Pharisees. They're standing up there and saying, okay, this is what you need to do. We're going to interpret the word for you, and we're going to tell you what it says. We're going to have you come to us with all of your problems, and we're going to tell you how to fix them. That the council is the absolute law, and whatever we say goes. And what they don't tell you is that even though it don't fit the word of God, even though that we've added a bunch of stuff to it to make us feel important and to accomplish what we want to accomplish, Pharisees, that it's what's best for you because we say so, Pharisees. So why is it so popular? Because nothing has changed. We have not changed as humans. 
What do the people want? Give us a king. Give us a king. We don't need to police ourselves. Give us a king. We need someone to tell us what to do. And see, if we have someone telling us exactly what to do, we don't have to bother studying this book. This book is, is long and complicated. It's got thousands of pages. Thousands of pages. I don't need to read all that. and I just need someone to tell me what to do. Give me the rules and I'll follow it. And that's exactly what it is. A bunch of man-made rules that are presented in the image of God. And what did we find out when Jesus came to town? These rules are not in alignment with the kingdom of heaven. They're not God's rules. And nothing has changed. We're lazy. And we're fearful. It's easier for us to just be do what we're told, go along with the group, than it is to take a stand. To climb up on that rock, which is Jesus. We'd rather have our toes down there in that unsteady sand. How'd you like that Bible verse I just slipped in there? We got to be on the rock. We got to come together. We have to have faith. It all comes down to faith. And what do we believe? We wonder why the world is in such a state, but it all starts at home. My wife was reading me an article the other day and, and uh, it was about a, a girl and as she got older and she got away from where she was at, she looked back on her life and realized, I was in a cult. Because things sound good. Things look good. And as long as everyone else is doing it, we deem it to be normal. Why is it the day that we see so much stuff that push an agenda? I like to watch old TV shows because I like the way things work. We didn't have all this stuff that we, we had today that the things that was normal 20, 30 years ago couldn't even go today because they're not politically correct. They're insensitive to certain people. And that we have to mainstream all these different falsehoods. There was a, a commercial on earlier this morning and it was talking about what we need to do as a, a world community for the environment and simply put it was not true it was not based on God 
And it wasn't even based on science. It was all based on someone's opinion. But we put it out there for all the world to see, and it sounds good. So when we start hearing about that we need to come together and lay hands on people to heal them, what does that sound? It sounds crazy. People don't want to come to church anymore. I don't know how many times I've been told that church is nothing but a breeding ground for disease because of all them people gondered up together. But I guess it's okay that we can conjure up in Walmart and we can conjure up at concerts and we can conjure up at whatever else we deem fun. But when we talk about God, then it's going to be something that's harmful to us. It's harmful, all right. It's harmful to Satan. It's harmful to the world. But it's not harmful to us. We're too worried about ourselves to ever care about others. And we just simply go through the motions. We have to have faith. You know, and one thing that I've learned is... I always used to wonder that if enough people prayed for someone, could that overcome themselves? And what I mean by that is sometimes people get too far gone in their minds. They think that they're too sick, they're too feeble, they're too old. They've convinced themselves that they're at the end of their line, that there's no turning back, that I'm, I'm uncurable, I'm unhealable, I'm unfixable, and then they just simply just leave it at that. But a lot of times, these people have people in their lives, they have family, they have friends, they have their church, and they don't want that for them. They know what God can do. And even though in the past this person may have had faith, that maybe that circumstances have really wore on that faith because they've been dealing with these situations for so long that they just have kind of given up. They've kind of just let it go. They've just kind of accepted these things. But what about when all of these people come together? Is their faith enough? I'd like to think it as it is. And I've seen it. I've seen people that are so sick that doctors giving them very short time, but the strength of the people around them has carried them through. And I've been asked before, why do these things take so long? Why does this healing process take so long? And we know there's several ways that we can troubleshoot. And many times I believe that through these different events is a way for God to work on you.
He's not going to heal your legs if you're going to use them to run away. He's not going to heal your heart if you're going to use it to break the heart of others. He's wanting to change you through the process. He wants to make sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is the power of God that is changing your life. Sometimes He wants you to be an example to others. He's using you to further the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes the timing is just not right. Sometimes it just needs to take a little bit longer. Sometimes your faith is not quite there. One thing it's never is. It's not God saying no. It's not God picking and choosing. It's not God making you suffer. It's not God not answering your prayers. The problem never lies with Him. He's given us all these things and all these tools to be able to use. And we need to start learning how to receive.